Instant family. So this story, as Whitney said, is about the story of adoption. And it's based on a true story, actually. But even if you haven't walked through that process, I think we're all gonna be able to identify with a lot of the emotions that we see played out through this movie. And oftentimes our big decisions in life are start out like that, right? Just this big emotion that carries us through into a decision. So watch this first clip. All right, ladies, so sometimes tears can be a powerful tool, right? (laughs) But even if we don't use tears and we get through those emotional moments, we begin to think logically and we decide to go for it. Whatever that dream is, the house, the family, the marriage, whatever that is, we're going in full force, both feet in, and this is what happens to this family, and so you can see what happens next. So oftentimes when we make those big decisions, we're in with both feet, things get a little bit harder, but we're still determined, we're gonna make it, we're gonna power through, but then something happens where things just kind of begin to unravel a little bit. And this next couple of scenes, I feel like all of us in the room could identify with one of my favorites, so let's take a look at this. Okay, so hopefully your grocery store experience was not as quite as dramatic as that, but why is it our kids choose to say the worst things at the worst time in front of complete strangers, right? We've probably all been there where you're just dying of embarrassment in the grocery store line, but we all made it through. And thankfully for this family, they chose to persevere through as well to where we get to watch this next scene. All right, not only is that scene great because it's got a little 80s music action going on in it, but some of you here in this room have experienced that scene and we've been able to walk through and celebrate that with you. And that was such an honor to be able to do that. But even if you haven't walked that road of adoption and got to where that family was, no doubt we have all faced trials and difficulties in our life. Because we walk into this life with big dreams, right? With the, the new house, the marriage, the family, all of it we have in our head. And there's nothing wrong with those dreams because it's those dreams that push us forward to make things better. But what happens when we get into pursuit of those dreams and things begin to unravel a little bit? And oftentimes when we get in the thick of that, when it feels like it's too much, we begin to ask the question of, if this is right, if I made the right decision, if I made the right call, then why aren't things going right? And we begin to question and we have to make a choice. Do we continue to pursue the instant version of things that we want, of things that we think that we should have or things that we think should be? Or do we continue to take this pathway that's marked out for us, this pathway of perseverance, where things get a little bit harder? Do we continue to pursue that? And thankfully for us, we find a lot of guidance in this thought process on perseverance from our New Testament writers. And they were quite experts on this subject to begin with. A lot of them endured quite a bit. So what we're gonna look at today is the book of James, and James was the brother of Jesus. And talk about an instant family for just a second. Could you imagine being in that one? And we don't get to see the conversations that went on between them or what their family life really looked like. But I can only imagine just a second, James always always feeling like he was one-upped by his older brother, right? And when it became to favorites, Jesus was always the winner. But what we know from James is James went from identifying himself as Jesus's brother to identifying Jesus as his Lord. 
And so James has a lot of insight into this faith thing and into this perseverance thing and into this trials thing. So we're gonna look at what he has to say. And he was writing to a group of brand new believers. He was writing a letter and these believers had just adopted this Jesus way of life, this new way of thinking. And for them, they probably thought, why isn't everyone jumping on board with this? Because where they had come from, it was the religion was very, they had to practice a lot of rituals to earn favor with God. And if they weren't a certain way, then they could never earn God's favor. And the religion that they were coming from seemed to be very exclusive. But this Jesus way of life was very inclusive. Jesus accepted everyone, no matter where they were, where they were coming from. He considered them and offered himself to them. And so they were finding freedom in this new way of life. But what was happening, instead of everyone adopting this way, they were actually being persecuted. And some of them to the point where they had to leave their homeland. And so James is writing these new believers, these refugees, and this is what he said. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the, the testing of your faith must produce perseverance and perseverance must finish its work in you so that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so what James was trying to tell these new believers is don't let this catch you off guard. Don't let these trials, these difficulties catch you off guard because you haven't made a wrong decision. You've actually made a right decision and this actually may be the path that God has laid out for you. And so oftentimes what I think James is trying to tell, tell us and what I think Jesus is trying to tell us in our trials is the same thing. Don't get discouraged and don't let this take you off guard. When I was in college, I was a physical therapy major, but before I could get there, we had to take these classes called weed out classes. And basically what these classes were was just to narrow the pool a little bit. They were just relevant a little bit to what we needed to know, but they were mainly there just to challenge you and just to take you out, basically. And oftentimes I would walk out of class after a quiz or test or just a normal class, just crying, because that class affirmed everything I thought about myself not good enough, not smart enough, never gonna make this. You might as well move on to plan C of your life. And so often when we get into these trials of life, these difficulties, we take that weed out mentality and we put it on God. And we think that we'll never measure up, we'll never have the faith enough, we'll never be spiritual enough for God to show us favor. But the actual opposite of that is what is true. And it's right that what the New Testament writers were trying to tell us. Because God is not trying to weed you out, rather he's trying to pull the weeds out of you. And what that, like, what that looks like sometimes is your character, because it's your character that God is after when we go through these difficulties and these trials. And for some of us as believers, that may be a little bit difficult to grasp, because when we're in these difficulties, we know a lot about Jesus, and maybe you're not a believer yet. You really don't, you haven't grabbed hold of who Jesus really is, but you've heard the stories. And we all know that Jesus can change things in an instant. He can take our circumstances and totally change them. And we see this to be true. All throughout the scriptures and all throughout his ministry, we saw people that were sick and he healed them. We saw people that were hungry and not only did he give them food, he multiplied it. He even controlled the atmosphere with just his words, and he even raised the dead. And so for some of us, when we're in these trials, we're walking through this difficulty, we were wondering, God, help me. When you get the diagnosis, God, why don't you heal me? 
And oftentimes he chooses to not act in that way, but he takes us down this pathway of perseverance to improve our character. And I believe that as God is improving our character, as he's teaching us something about our character, he's also wanting to teach us something about his. But why would God value our character over our circumstances? And I think the thing is that we can change our circumstances or he can change our circumstances in an instant. But it's our character that is up to you and is up to me. It is what we choose to allow him to develop or not. And oftentimes he chooses these trials and these difficulties to get us to that point as James James described as mature and complete, lacking nothing. So if God is after our character, and I believe it's our character is what God will often choose to demonstrate his goodness and his greatness to the rest of the world around us. And so if God is valuing our character over our circumstances, and he's also out to prove something about his character to us through our trials and difficulties, it gives us a little momentum to move forward. I also believe that in what God is trying to prove to us about his character is that he can be trusted. Because oftentimes when we get into these trials, the question that God is asking us, and it's a question that we ask often here at the summit, is do you receive the love of Jesus? And so God is asking us, do you love me? Do you receive my love and all the fullness that comes with it? Do you receive that? But if we're honest with ourselves, our soul question, our deep soul question, especially when we get into these difficulties, is but can I trust you? God, I may love you, but can I trust you? Can I trust you to take care of my finances if I honor you first? Can I trust you to take care of my kids when I really just wanna hover over them and be that helicopter mom? Can I trust you if I let them go for you to protect them? God, can I trust you with this marriage when we are well past our honeymoon phase and everything that was cute and desirable before is just totally irritating right now. God, can I trust you to get me through this marriage? And what he is trying to say to us is that I will lead you through a trial or I will lead you to a trial to prove to you that I can be trusted. And so we get the purpose of our trials is to improve our character and is to prove to us that God can be trusted. But something is gonna happen to each of us when we're walking through these difficulties. And it doesn't matter if you've had the faith of 40 years, if you've had the faith of four months, it's gonna hit us all. And that's gonna, what that's gonna be is we're gonna be tempted to quit, to give up, to turn away, to turn back. Because sometimes just the weight of that trial seems so much. But if we stick with it, what God is trying to tell us is that instead of getting away from something, I want you to overcome something. And our human nature when we're in these trials is just to get away, and that's all right. We're built that way. We physically wanna move away from pain. We emotionally want to move away from pain. But what God is offering us through this trial, this perseverance that we can walk through, is that instead of getting away from something, I want you to overcome something. Because when we overcome something, we master it. When we just continue to move away from things, it begins to master us. And God's desire for his people is to live free. Like James said, to be able to walk in maturity, lacking nothing. When our girls were little, we adopted this family motto and it went something like this. It was suck it up sister. Because oftentimes we would find when they were real small, we would be out as a family um, walking Salem Lake or something um, and we're over halfway through and you look back and they're, you know, they got the slump 
Like, I'm not taking another step. Please carry me. And we're like, no, we're not carrying you. We're going to finish. We're going to finish this together. Suck it up, sister. Let's go. Or if we were out running errands at the end of a long day, and you know you've got two more stops to make, and you would feel, you would tell that to them, and then you would feel the back of your seat just vibrating with their kicking feet, you know, just making you crazy. And so it was just suck it up, sister. And we found ourselves saying that over and over again to where they knew there was no amount of kicking, welling, flailing, screaming as they reached middle school, eye rolling and hip popping. That would change, suck it up, sister. And basically what we were saying was like, get over yourself and get outside of your feelings and we're going to do something for the good of others, right? And so many of our trials are just that because James said trials come in many kinds. And some of our trials look like that on a Monday morning when we've got a difficult boss or a hard coworker, and we know we just have to power through it. We know we still have to put in an honorable day's work. We still have to be kind. And some of those trials may come as a parent when you are saying the same thing over and over and over again. And you're just wondering, when is this discipline thing going to pay off? Because right now it's just not. And so some of those things we just have to power through. Or if you're in a marriage and you have to find yourself all the time putting the other person first, putting their needs in front of your own. And so some of our trials look just like that, where we just have to power through it and we have to get over ourselves. But some of you are walking through trials that are well beyond suck it up. You only wish you could. But the reality is you have no air to breathe. The trial that you're walking through is sucking the air out of you. And when you find that you have no air to breathe, that is when God is offering you his. And we get to see a beautiful picture of this in the life of David. And David was the king of Israel, and he was a man of great faith, but David was also a man of great trials. And some of these trials David brought on himself, some of these trials were brought to David, and some of these trials God actually led him into. And we get to see what David did, and I think what David did, we can apply to any of our trials that we're going through right now. And we see that in Psalm 19. And we don't have time to read that, but I would greatly encourage you just to spend the rest of your week just diving into that. Just not even reading that one time, just the entire week, just read Psalm 19. Because it's very poetic, and David was great at writing songs and poems, and it's got all of that insight in it. It's got great insight into it. But the first thing that we see David do is he begins to praise God. He begins to look at creation and he begins to look at what all of God has created and what all of God controls. And he describes the sun and what the sun does and he goes on and on about that. And so for many of you, you cannot find anything praiseworthy in your situation right now. It's very difficult to find anything to be thankful for or to see God's hands in. So I encourage you to do what David did. If you can't find anything within your four walls, then look outside them. Because David began to praise his creator. And I believe when we praise God for who he is and what he's doing, our perspective begins to change. Because oftentimes when we're in a trial, the thing that makes it so difficult is that we've lost control. We can no longer control what's going on and we can no longer control the outcome. But what David found is when he couldn't control anything around him, he knew who could. And so he began to praise God. And so you wanna adopt that as part of your routine. You're gonna praise God. The second thing that we see David do is he began to pursue God's wisdom. And when David pursued God's wisdom, he said, he described it like this. He said, it refreshes the soul, it brings joy to the heart, and it makes simple the wise. And so often when we're in a trial, we just need a minute. You just need a second to regroup, to pull yourself together. And that's what David was saying. God's wisdom, when I pursue it, it refreshes my soul. 
And it also makes simple the wise. And so often when we're in a trial, we get to these points where we don't know what to do. We don't know what our next step should be. There's so many options ahead of us. And one of them is turning back. But God, what should I do? How do I move forward? And what David is saying is if you could be simple-minded, but God is gonna make you wise. He is gonna guide you through this trial. So when we are in these trials, we're gonna praise and we're gonna pursue. We're gonna praise and pursue, praise and pursue. Which is one thing that what we love about groups here at the summit is because you can find wisdom in the written word of God, but you can also find wisdom from each other. And when you're in our groups, you may not have someone that's walked the same pathway as you, but one thing that they're gonna do for you is they're gonna encourage you along the way. You can make it, you've done the right thing. You can make it, you can done the, you've done the right thing. Over and over again, and they're gonna help you praise, and they're gonna help you pursue until you've made it through your trial. But something for some of you that has happened as you're thinking through this, maybe the reality for you is that you know you've quit. You know you turned back when you should have persevered for it. And, you, and looking back, you know, like if I would have hung in there just a little bit longer, we would have had a breakthrough. I felt like I was about to break, but if we would have hung in there a little bit wrong, longer, we could have broken, broken through. But the good news for you is you're not out of the game. Because what James goes on to tell us is that any of you lacks wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Meaning it doesn't matter how you got where you were, whether it was your fault for the trial or the trial was brought on you. The same wisdom that is offered by God that David found to be true is offered to you as well. But what that might look like is a conversation. You may need to go back where you left off. And sometimes that looks like a conversation with your kid. Maybe it's something like this. You know, I, I let work consume me. I let my own interests take over. And I've been present in this house, but I've been very absent from you. I have checked out on you. And I'm sorry. And I want to get back in your life. And don't think that that doesn't happen just to you. It happens to everyone. Because the reality is great families have to have conversations like that over and over and over again. Because great families aren't instantly made great, but they become great by persevering together. And for some of you, you wish you could go back, but the reality is you can't because relationships have moved on or the person that you may need to go back and revisit and have a conversation with is no longer even here for you to do that with. But for you, you're not out of the game either because the great thing about God's love is he offers us forgiveness. And for some of you, you may need to just initially receive that forgiveness. And then you take that forgiveness and you extend it to someone else. And when you do that, when you practice that forgiveness, that forgiveness allows you to overcome your failures and allows you to get back in the game again. A few years ago, our family, we walked through a trial that was far beyond suck it up, sister. Um, it was something that kind of took us by surprise. It was unexpected. And through that season, we discovered things about ourselves that we really didn't like, that God was choosing to improve our character and develop our character individually and as a family. And there were often times I remember before I could even go home, I would have to go to the end of a cul-de-sac and just sit there for a minute and just do what David did and just praise God and thank God and get with God before I could walk through the doors. And through that season, season my sister-in-law said something to me that kind of in the moment um, kind of struck me, but I didn't get the fullness of her statement until we were over 
that season. And we were standing in our kitchen and she said, Gina, you know this could have taken you guys out. And the more I thought about that after we had moved on, she was right. Because the tensions got high in my family, there were hard conversations, there were things going on that we didn't really like. But because of praising and pursuing, because of the wisdom from some of you in this room, we were able to make it through that season. And what I realized with every trial, the potential with every trial, is a trial can separate you or it can strengthen you. But we get to decide that. But God has given us the tools to survive, not just survive, he's given us the tools to thrive in these seasons of perseverance, to where we move on in maturity like James described, lacking nothing. But really the choice is we can keep pursuing these instant versions of the things that we think we want, these instant families, these instant relationships, and we're left continuing to wonder. Or we can choose to walk this pathway of perseverance. And as Paul, one of the writers as the new, of the New Testament said, when we continue to walk this pathway of perseverance, our character grows. And when our character grows, it develops hope. And it's that hope that rises in you, that pushes you forward to where you are mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray together. Jesus, um, if we knew all the trials represented in this room right now, we would be completely overwhelmed. But the great thing is that you are never overwhelmed because you said that you could overcome it. And so God, I just ask for every person in this room, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're dealing with, Father, I just ask that you give them courage to take their next step forward, that they find comfort and they find the presence in you and they praise you and they pursue you. And I just ask that your wisdom just overwhelms them with the decisions that they may have to make. And God, I just pray for us as a church that our character would continue to grow and so that you can display your goodness and your greatness to the world around us. In your name we pray, amen.